Episode 260, The Rant, Ashley Good, Women's Division I Collegiate Basketball Official, 3x3 Basketball Official, and co-founder of SOTG. Absolute, Ashley Good is a student of the game. In this pod, we discuss her early life playing sports, in college, to transitioning to become a varsity basketball coach. It came full circle when she took up the stripes, getting the attention of Joey Crawford, which fueled her passion to be at the highest levels of collegiate basketball. Further, it propelled her to give back to the ref community through SOTG. All that and more, my conversation with Ashley, now. The Rant has been brought to you by Geo Studios, now open. They are located one block south of Westbury Train Station in the heart of Long Island, New York. Looking to bring your art or event to life? Trying to record a podcast? Enjoy six rooms of studio space to create audio and visual content. It also includes an 800-square-foot cyclorama wall studio, a state-of-the-art recording studio, three breakout rooms for four to six people each, which include a green room and lounges, a quality surround sound with six speakers and studio lighting, and most importantly, two on-site restrooms. You know I need my restrooms. Book your space today. For more information, find us at geoevents.com. The Rant has been brought to you by the revolutionary product for referees and all professionals alike, Neat Tucks. What the tuck? Traditional shirt stays have been tried and true, but never accounted for those professionals that have shorts as uniforms. What do you do when you officiate soccer or lacrosse or even basketball in the summer? Don't forget about baseball umpires, too. Enter Neat Tucks, which come in style and active versions. Don't get it twisted. You can even wear them at your 9 to 5, too. Listeners of The Rant can visit neattux.com and enter the coupon code REFEREERANT, one word, and receive 20% off your initial order. That's REFEREERANT, one word. Happy tucking. Welcome to another edition of The Rant. I'm your host, Ralph the Ref. I'm with a super special guest by way of Philadelphia in the Northeast area of America. Be a Bluetooth I have uh, on the line women's Division One NCAA basketball official, uh, also a 3x3 basketball official, and of course, the board of directors and founder of SOTG Students of the Game, Mrs. Ashley Good. How are you? I'm great, Ralph. How are you? I'm, I'm so excited that you're here. First of all, I'm, I'm good because I'm talking to you, and it's been a while, um, and I'm, I'm really excited to just finally get a chance to tell your story. How you been? All right. Yeah, I've been great. Well, first of all, I want to thank you for having me. It's been a road well traveled, I guess. <laughs> yeah. To, to get here, but no, I'm I'm happy to be able to share this platform for, with you and tell a little bit about myself and how I got here and and what we do and and so forth. So I'm, I'm excited. Yeah, absolutely. And it's been a pleasure. Uh, early this year, I can't believe it's this year too. I ran into your husband around where I'm from. Uh, I went to Hofstra University, and one of my fellow official buddies, uh, Kevin Sparrick, he did a game and. Um, he was fortunate to be working with your husband and we connected, you know, we started a relationship. He was on the, on the podcast as well. And, you know, I just want to say thank you for all your contributions in the game of uh, officiating in basketball, especially that special screen that you guys have on your, on your zoom meetings. I'm like, that's like the most revolutionary. Even John Levinson was like, that screen is crazy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Cause most people, they share their screen and then it gets all pixelated. But I remember the first time I'm watching, I'm like, wait a minute, Sean is like on the screen. Like he's like pointing at it and like, oh, oh, he's not sharing the screen. He's he's taking a projection of the screen. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. it was like it was um it was a very unique thing, but very happy to connect with you. And of course, I think the first time that we really connected was in the beginning of the pandemic when everything was kind of just like in the balance. We didn't we weren't sure what was going on. I know that you were going to do some things with Ref Academy and then you reached out to me if I'm trying to figure out these things because all of these things were kind of brand new rolling out basically because we didn't know we, we weren't sure if we weren't going to have any in-person situations. So I think that's how we started. So, you know, what I wanted to ask you is, how's your family been holding up with the coronavirus? How have you been holding up? And when was the moment that you took this all serious? Was it was it a situation where you were doing a game and then everything kind of got shut down? <laughs> um, it was exactly that. It's unreal, really. I mean, I go through the grocery store and I just kind of look around and I'm like, wow, this is life right now. It's incredible. You know, we constantly tell our children that you're going to be a part of history. Your kids, when you have them, they're going to be in school and reading about this pandemic and you're going to be saying how you were a part of it. What they're going to remember from it, who knows? But it's just, this has just been insane. So yeah, to go back, I was at a postseason tournament sitting in the stands with one of my partners 
getting ready to go back. We were watching the game that was being played. And I got a call from my supervisor and she was telling me that our tournament that I was going to be leaving from where I was, the referee, was canceled. And it was the first tournament in the United States that was canceled, the Ivy League tournament. Wow. I was just in shock at that moment. And it became very real. And while that tournament was canceled, we still refereed that game that day. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I remember sitting in the arena and watching in between games, the event staff, personnel and all that. They were amazing. They were cleaning. They were wiping down every chair, wiping down basketball. The measures that they went to to protect us were extraordinary. And that was really the beginning of this. And to leave that arena and go home, it's just been, I can't believe that was seven months ago or six months ago now. It's amazing to me. And it seems like there still is no discernible end towards this. It's like now we just have tried to figure out how to coexist with it. And, you know, I think after that month, I think that was the first time that we spoke. It was around April. And I remember I was just helping you. And you know what I really appreciated about you, aside from you just reaching out to me, was more that you were still trying to make an impact, even though the officiating portion of everything didn't exist as we knew it. You were one of those people that were proactive in saying, this is not going to beat me. I'm going to try to figure out to still be involved in the game, even though it doesn't really exist. Was that something important for you to still be involved in the game, even though we everything was in limbo? Well, you know, I, I just think that Sean and I talk all the time about just being humble servants and being good people, good partners, serving the game, having integrity. And so as we went into, like when we came home March 10th, and well, Sean came home March 11th, but from that moment, we honestly, I was very optimistic. Uh, and the kids were, were done school that Thursday. And it was a, you know, everyone's like, oh, it's two weeks, two weeks shutdown. So I was optimistic, of course, as I still remain optimistic. I remember saying to Sean, it's okay, we're going to have two weeks, we're going to be down. It's two weeks that we need to press the pause button to kind of just re-energize, recharge and get back at it. Because we have an amazing calendar of events set up for the spring and the summer. It was, I don't know, not long after that, that everything actually was starting to be postponed and some canceled, at which point it became real for us. And to know that, oh my gosh, we're not traveling. We don't have these events, but how can we stay connected to our members? I mean, we have like, I want to say over a thousand members in our, in our database with RefCal that travel and work with us and, and look to us as, as leaders. And what can we do to keep them connected? What can we do to keep them engaged? What can we do to, you never know what anybody's going through. Mm. And how can we be a blessing to them? So as Sean and I were sitting and talking, you know, we just kind of came up with, let's do film breakdown sessions, but let's be unique. Let's do something different. Let's, we're not trying to reinvent the wheel, obviously, but Sean is by far like one of the best teachers that I've ever been around. Mm. And he's so great at, just captivating an audience and keeping people engaged. He always likes to take the back seat and he likes to be very inclusive. And, I, and I'm constantly telling him, like, when you get going, you don't really need anybody but you. But we turned it into a fantastic panel of, of referees who on the men's side, on the women's side, in the NBA, who week after week, we did it for 25 weeks. Mm. And they were able to provide so much insight so much just the teaching, the instruction, the feedback, the conversations, the rules. Not it was it was really phenomenal. Every Tuesday, we would finally, when Starbucks had opened back up, we would go to Starbucks and kind of get our recharge for the afternoon to get ready and excited for the evening. And it was always, you know, we had to pump ourselves up. But once we got going, we were so excited. And when it was over, we were so thankful and grateful that people participated and that we did it because it made us feel great to be able to share that with people and to give back. And likewise, you know, like I said, you just don't know what people are going through. And within these tough times, we got lots of emails and texts that said, hey, you know what? I'm stressed with work. I'm stressed with family. I'm laid off. I'm furloughed. Whatever they were dealing with mentally and emotionally by themselves, they have something to look forward to every Tuesday. And and really, that's a lot of what kept us going, too. Yeah. And, you know, that's like a microcosm of officiating. Sometimes I know for me, when I used to play basketball, it used to be like a safe haven where I basically thought about I didn't think about any of the problems that I had on a day-to-day basis and really lock in and play. And 
you know, I find officiating the same thing. It's one of those things mm-hmm. where it's like an out of body experience where your your mental and your physical really connect. And you know, since we didn't have that, I think a lot of people in the beginning were just like, "What are we gonna do?" So to yeah. me, I found like things that you were doing, things that I were doing with these Zoom calls, it was like a respite for a lot of people because we still stayed interconnected and it felt kind of normal. What I did want to ask you is over your course of doing all these things, what do you think you learned about yourself while you were doing these Zoom calls and and still staying connected with the officiating community? Honestly, I learned how much I truly, truly enjoy doing this and that this is my passion. And I'm so excited to really be a part of a great community of people. These are lifelong friends that I've created and, and people that I've met and everybody has a story. And it's just been a great journey along the way to, to be able to always have someone who knows what you're going through in one way or another, because we can all relate to basketball and we all got families. We all have things going on, but there's no judgment. And I, I just love being surrounded by great people. Mm. And you, you, you talk about that passion. Of course, there has to have been some point where you really gravitated towards the game of basketball and sports as a whole. Having said that, where did you grow up? What did you play growing up? What did you play in middle school, high school, and then college? So where Sean and I live now is about a mile and a half from where I grew up. Our kids, well, KJ now goes, KJ is our oldest son. He now goes to a Catholic school, but there, the public school district that we live in is where I went to school my whole life growing up. When I was in middle school, I was I played basketball and I played softball. Softball was my my fun loving time to take a break, hang out with friends. I was always very competitive. I didn't have to be so intense, I would say, as I had to be with basketball, or mm-hmm. so I felt. I, I really loved basketball, and that's what I played. I actually stopped playing softball when I was in eighth grade because the commitment to you know AAU and playing year round made it difficult. And so I played through high school and I went to uh, Gwinnett Mercy University, which is a division three school, not far from here as well. And so I played there and I, I had a great career and stayed very, very close with, again, teammates and my coach. My coach that I had, his son and KJ are the same age. Mm. So it's fun to watch him go full circle because he now, well, he was coaching KJ since he was probably, I don't know, 10 or so in AAU basketball mm. and it was really cool to to see their relationship as as friends and to keep us connected as well mm. and what's really cool is that you're still connected with those youth sports of course you assign a whole bunch of AAU tournaments and of course your kids still play I always see those football Instagram I'm like man that's that's really cool that you guys do that but I think that all of your experiences of, of doing so before you became an official, what was your perception of officials when you were growing up, being in the circuit and then playing in high school and in college? I never really had issues with, with officials until I graduated college. I went right into coaching. So I graduated in May and I was coaching a summer league at my high school in June. Mm. And so I went on to do that for about nine years. I was a, a varsity coach. I was not a fan of officials. I was crazy. I was a, <laughs> a screamer. I was a yeller. Mm-hmm. I was everything that I'm really not right now. Um, and it's, it's just so interesting to, to kind of look back at my former self and be like, oh, girl, chill out. But, um, <laughs> but I, was, I was just intense and I was competitive. Mm-hmm. And I always wanted to be able to give back, you know, young women and be the example that I had shown for me. I had great coaches and I had, you know, the upbringing that I had. And, and I wanted to be able to try to give as much as I could back. And that was fun for me. And it was, it was interesting that when I decided that after I had Kobe, my youngest, it just became too much of a commitment with mm-hmm. my own two children now. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to still be involved, but I couldn't figure out how. And the only thing that was left was officiating. And so one of my friends said, you've got to try it. You know, you'll love it. You'll be great. But I'll say this, that the promise that I made to myself was that I remember as a coach when, and, and I'm sure, you know, I, I hear on our NCAA calls now and when we're in clinics and stuff, I hear coaches say all the time, you know, when you look at a referee and you go, oh, or you pull up their name <laughs> and you're like, oh, her? Oh, man, like not today, mm. right? So I would always say, if I was ever that referee, I won't do it. Because if I'm not going to go and give it everything I've got and be 
really attempt anyway to be really good at what I'm doing, I don't want to do it. Mm. And so for me, once I started, I went full force because I was like, I don't want to be that referee that Mm. they're going, ugh, her? Really? Come on. So that's a unique perspective because if you've coached for nine years, I think you have an empathy level that's a much, a much different than most officials because sometimes officials, they go in there, they don't have coaching experience, and they just go like, my game's at three, my game's at four, this guy's a headache, and, and that's that. For me, I coach a volleyball team, and this would have been my 21st, my 20, 21st season, and I have the empathy of saying that when I officiate a game, I'm like, I know the type of – commitment they have for the kids to try to get them better so I always have an empathetic ear when they're trying to complain about things they might not be projecting it correctly to me as an official but at the same time I get I get where they're coming from I get the work ethic that they care about was that a rough transition from going from coach to to an official well it wasn't because of that so I understood the level of emotion first of all that I had I mean I was terrible I thought (laughs) sidelines right so Therefore, if I see a coach that's reacting similar to the way that I did, I want to know why. Is it me? Like, I'm, I'm first to look in the mirror and point finger at me. You know, yeah. I'm not going to say, wow, that coach is this or that coach is that. You know, they practice. They work hard. And like I said, the commitment was immense. It was intense for me. It was too much. That's why I stopped. But I know the commitment. And that was just at the high school level. And the respect that I have for them and for the kids that are putting in time and effort, if I can't understand and be emotionless as far as for me, pertaining to me, then it wasn't, I wasn't going to do well in this business. But the funniest thing was, so when I took my referee test here in in Pennsylvania, I went to the first, they have like, they separate, you get to choose a chapter after you pass the test. And so the chapter was obviously local and the high school that I coached at is, is local. Right. So I walk in and they're all looking at me like, oh, my gosh, like, <laughs> what in the, what are you doing here? Why are you here? Right. So it was so funny to me to, you know, and I stood up and introduced myself and half of them knew who I was right. anyway. And I'm like, I know. I said, let's just have a show of hands on who's teed me up in this room so far, you know, like, so, but I, I went into it with that type of attitude because I wasn't perfect. And I know that coaches aren't either. And so I understand, I mean, I'm not going to allow you to run up and down and mother at me or anything like that, but within reason, I think that I have a longer leash, I would say, than some others. Yeah, I could, I could see that. Now, I know for me, I'd say like maybe the first four years, I didn't really take it serious. I didn't, I didn't know that there was a, a world where you can get to the highest levels. I just thought of it as like, the games are five minutes away from my house. I make $50 and, and it was like, it was good supplemental income. I never thought of it as an avocation, something, a craft, something that you can get serious. So first question I wanted to ask you, do you remember your first experience officiating? And what was like the turn that made you go, I'm all in, I'm going to take this serious and try to get as far as I can. I remember vaguely my first experience officiating. And I just remember just screwing it up. Like you you think, okay, I played and okay, I coached. It's got to be easy. I could do this. But you're looking at it through a different lens. Again, it's not coaching. It's not playing. It's, there's rules to this. And you think that you know them until you actually are in it. And you're like, no, that's not how. That's not the rule. So it was very, it was difficult at first. And it was overwhelming because I wanted to, everyone's giving you all these pointers and they're trying to help you. I didn't want to make mistakes. And of course, that's the first thing that you're going to do is make mistakes. A ton of them still right. to today, you know. Mm-hmm. It was overwhelming and it was a lot. And I was trying to do too much in a small amount of time. Mm. And I never really knew that I could, I didn't see it aside from high school basketball. Like that's all I saw was, okay, you rough CYO, you rough these travel games, you rough these little kids games, you have fun doing it because you're able to explain to the, you know, the younger kids how to play the game and so forth. And then, you know, high school, like that was big time to me. And I was excited when I finally got picked up to, to referee varsity basketball. Right. I thought that that was my peak. You know, I, I didn't realize that I could get to something beyond high school basketball. So I was at a local gym here and I was refing a seventh grade AAU game. And so I'm refing the game. And during a timeout, I'm standing in the middle of the paint. And up comes to me, Joey Crawford. And he says, you know, you've got some potential. And I was like, 
excuse me, are you talking to me? And he's like, yeah, absolutely. He said, I, I've been watching you. And he's like, you've got really good mechanics. He said, I think you have a future in this and I want to help you. And I'm just standing there in awe. I mean, just totally dumbfounded, right? Mm. Because of all the people in this gym, he's sitting here and he's watching my game. He was there. There's an AAU program here that, that he supports. I didn't know that at the time. I was just, you know, I mean, just awestruck altogether. And so he said, here's my email. I want you to reach out. I'm going to help you get on the right path. I think you could, you have a future in this. And it wasn't really until then. I mean, I was on cloud nine finishing the rest of my game that I had there, growing it up still, you know. <laughs> I think that really shed light for me on the, you never know who is watching you. Right. You never know when an opportunity is going to present itself. And that's what I say to so many people. I mean, it could never ring more true than, than that situation for me. Mm. And from that moment, I, that was on like a Saturday. I believe I emailed him, you know, the following week. And he really opened my eyes to what this was really about, the ins and outs of it, the good and the bad, preparation, the letdown, the highs, the lows. And then we kind of got into, okay, so you want to do this? Let me show you how to do it. Mm. And that was the most exciting time for me. I mean, and still today, I mean, we still talk, still help me, still, in, you know, an instrumental part of my growth. But my story is, uh, is kind of unique, I guess. But when you hear a lot of people, they say, yeah, I was at such and such and, and this happened to me again, because you never know who's watching. Right. And that's interesting that you say that because you still think that you were messing up. But, you know, I think about something that your husband, Sean, always tells me, he always calls it ignorance on fire. Right. Somebody mm -hmm. that is willing to make those mistakes, is aware of those mistakes, but is willing to make it in real time to learn a higher lesson. And that's probably what you possess that Joey Crawford saw. I want to know, how did you meet Sean? How did that connection go through? So, well, obviously I've met him through, through basketball and, and through camp. When I first met him, I didn't care for him much at all. Um, and we laugh when we tell this story all the time. Because he is and always has been just a straight shooter. And it doesn't come off. He's just rough around the edges. He, does, he doesn't sugarcoat it. Right. He's going to tell you exactly how he feels, like it or not. He's going to be honest, right? I really tried to avoid him at every turn, mainly because of that, because I just didn't want to hear it. After he was refereeing a, um, a pro-am league here called uh, the Danny Rump classic here in Philly. So I went down and kind of watched it. I had already frequented the games because it was big. It was a big event here in, in Philly mm -hmm. where a lot of the pro players came back and the, the officiating was great. So it was a good atmosphere. Just It was great Philly basketball. And so I went down and, you know, watched the game and it was great because they had, you know, we huddled up and we talked about mechanics and plays and situations and all that kind of stuff. And so after we all went out to a TGI Fridays, I believe it was. We were able to just kind of, and it was a group of us, but to see him in a different light, like, okay, he is human. It's not just basketball. And mm. he was a different human <laughs> in that environment away from basketball. So it was kind of in that moment where I was like, you know what? You're really not a bad, and I actually told him, like, you're not a bad person. <laughs> because I really, I really thought you were, mm -hmm. honestly. Truly, I did. But you're really sweet and considerate. And so it was funny to watch that kind of, because he was like, what? Really? And I'm like, no, I couldn't stand you. I didn't even want to be around you. <laughs> if you and I were walking down the same hallway, I'd turn around and walk the other way. Period. Point blank, right? It's ironic because it's, it's you know, when you least expect something, I'm, I'm a firm believer in that. You know, God puts people in, in your life for a reason. And, and absolutely when you, when you least expect it. Right. I completely agree. And, you know, just to shade what you were saying about uh, Joey and Sean, I think a lot of people across the country and around the world, I want you to talk about that Philly contingency when it comes to refs. I mean, obviously they have phillyref.com and I just know the pro-am circuit, all there's so many great referees, especially in the NBA and the college circuit that are from and hail from the Philadelphia, the Pennsylvania area. Just talk about what it's like so people can understand across the country. Yeah, I mean, the basketball here is competitive. I mean, I guess it's, it's obviously, I wouldn't say it's comparable to New York, but I think it would be a close second. And people around here, they work hard. They, they want to do well. And we've got a lot of people that have come before us that have paved the way, that have done 
an amazing job and had great careers within this profession. When I had first started with Joey, with myself, I was the only female and there was four or five guys that we would go over to his house and we would do film sessions and break down and bring our games. It was a really, really great learning experience. And it was a testament to the work and what it's really going to take to get to where you want to go. Mm. And, and we were hungry. We would go all the time and have these film breakdown sessions. And, you know, one thing that I can say about Joey is there is not a time to date that I have called this man and he has not answered my phone call. And even if he couldn't talk, he still would answer and say, Ash, give me a minute. I'll call you right back. Or Ash, I got something going on. Or even when he was, because he was still on the floor at that time. Mm. You know, hey, I, I got game seven tonight or I'm, I'm here, I'm there. I'm figuring that whatever it is, I'll give you a call back. And that really just goes to show how great of a person he is. He's so humble, so gracious, so giving to all, so, I mean, just countless referees. And it wasn't until he retired and Sean and I went to his retirement party that you look around and you see all of the people that he's touched beyond basketball. Wow. It's absolutely amazing. Mm. Yeah, and we also congratulate him on his retirement and, and all things. I think his last game, he like pulled a hamstring or something. I remember that was like in Cleveland. Yeah. I remember I was yeah. watching that game live. But um, with Sean and Joey, I think that you've learned a lot of things. And, and of course, the greatest give back that you have in the SOTG, if you can, just describe some of your most successful mentees. And what do you think you've learned about yourself from being a respected mentor yourself? I wouldn't quite even call myself a mentor quite yet. I, I do have a couple of people that I talk to. I have people that I send plays out to, you know, of, of my games. They're, they're high school officials and some lower level college officials. I don't really see myself much different than them. Mm. While they may look up to me or look at me in a different light, I, I don't look at them differently. They're, they're friends, they're colleagues, and there's just situations that I've had in my games that I want to share and I want to talk about and I want to get feedback on and I respect their opinion. And I, I hope that that I have a positive influence in their growth. And I'm always make myself accessible to people who may have questions, who reach out for, for any means. And I, I'll do my best to help. Mm. That was a great answer. Now, uh, back to the Joey Crawford component. Um, I've, I've heard from other people of his legendary sessions of, of film breakdown. So I, I'm pretty sure that you got the most amazing education uh, on that side. So I'm pretty sure that was kind of like your guiding principle. And of course, with Sean of developing SOTG. So I just wanted to talk about just the early origins of student of the game officiating and how did you develop it over time? Well, even it's funny to go back to our film breakdown sessions, if I could for a second, when Sean and I started dating, he was here in Philly and I think he had a day or two off and he's like, oh, what are you doing today? And I said, oh, I'm going over Joey's. We're going to go over some film and stuff. And he says, oh, he said, oh, I'll come with you. So I said, sure, you can come. So we go and he, he really tried his best to sit there and be quiet, but he just couldn't help himself. Right. You could see him those like legs are shaking. And he's just, <laughs> you know, he just had to, he had to chime in. Mm-hmm. And it was great because it really gave Joey an opportunity because he didn't know him well to say, wow, I'm going to kind of release the reins here. Like, Ash, I'll be here, but you've got a hell of a teacher at home and he is in your corner and he's supportive and he's not going to steer you wrong. So it was really funny just kind of even watching that transpire. And, and Sean and I kind of laugh about it too, because he was like a kid in a candy store. He was so excited to sit there with Joey and he talks about it and tells his friends. And he's like, yeah, it was so awesome to be in that, to be a part of that with the two of them. And, but I say to Sean, I'm like, but it just is a testament to your work because there were so many things that you had and input it that Joey was like, how do you even know this stuff? You mm. know? Um, so, so he is, he is certainly a, a true student uh, of the game, but to transition so when I, when Sean and I had started dating, he was doing a couple of Vetus events. And when I say a couple, it was, I don't know, a handful maybe. It was basically just a set of random referees that you'd send out an email, they'd email you back, give you their availability. Some would get lost in the pile. Some you'd figure out. Some would call your phone. Some would text you. It was really like, I don't even want to call it organized chaos because it wasn't organized. It was just chaos. We would go and we, we did a couple of events and I thought it was really cool and doesn't really have this banking system set down. And he's like, okay, you know, 
such and such is going to come over and you're going to pay them. You're going to ask them how many games they work and you're going to pull up the schedule and you're going to do this and do that. So I went along with it because, you know, I'm like, hey, I'm new here. But it wasn't before long that I, Sean and I had to sit down and have a conversation and say, okay, look, what you're doing is really, really great. But this is how we can make it better. And this is how we can grow. And this is how we can really turn this into just a impactful business because there really aren't many in our space that are able to do what we're doing. And the, the gem, if you will, is, is the teaching aspect because as I had mentioned earlier, he's so great at instructing and teaching and making it so that officials can understand and they want more. They want to be around him. They want to be a part of what we're doing. Why? Because we're doing it the right way. And we will often tell people when they reach out to us and we have conversations when they want to join SOTG, we talk to them about their goals. We talk to them about their intent. We talk to them about their purpose. We talk to them about why. Why do you want to be a part of SOTG? And I think it's important for us to have those conversations because SOTG is not just about the money chase. You get paid for games, sure, but we hold our reputation to a very, very high standard Mm. and we hold our craft and what we do to a very high standard. Sean and I are referees. This is how we feed our family. And in doing so, we want like-minded people of high character and integrity to do the same. And if you don't feel as though you encompass these really intangible aspects, then you probably aren't a great fit. And we've had that conversation with people. And I respect those that do it for a side hustle. There's a place in basketball for any type of official, right? But for us in our business, that's just not not what we are about. And we make sure that we communicate that and are 100% transparent with anyone that wants to be a part of what we do. Mm. That's another great answer. Now, with everything that has changed with all of the virtual uh, meetups that you've had, do you think that's going to be something that's more of a permanent change? Or do you think you're going to go back to a hybrid of what you were doing pre-pandemic and what you have discovered during the pandemic? Well, what the pandemic has done was given us an opportunity because we had time to do that. And I'm not going to say that if we were better with time management that we wouldn't be able to do it. I mean, you have to think about so many variables here. There's a lot of people that were out of work. There were spring sports that weren't being played. There was not a tournament that was going on, you know, a summer league, a spring league, all of these things that caused people to be at home, including us. I don't know. I mean, we would probably, you know, we've talked about it, you know, putting feelers out, but I'm not sure exactly what it will look like moving forward. Mm. We will try to do something to stay in touch. I don't know that it would be weekly, but maybe a monthly thing that we could kind of check in with people. We're definitely going to do that as our events start coming around in 2021 and in preparation for them. But on a weekly basis, probably not. But what we will do is go back, obviously, because now we're going to be in person doing all of these events. We're going to go back to the to the training, to the grind, to the work, because that's what it's about. Right. Now, I did want to ask you, since I am a multi-sport official, would you ever consider officiating another sport? And if so, what would it be? I guess it's yes and no. Because for me, yes, considering I, can, I think 3x3 is a separate sport. Okay, Mm -hmm. 3x3 basketball Mm -hmm. is a separate sport. No, because nothing that involves basketball will not get my 100% commitment and dedication. Mm -hmm. For me, I will not do anything that I don't want to put 100% into. And it's not fair to the student athletes, to the coaches, to my partners, to the people around me, to my family, really, to even waste the time to get involved in something I know that I'm really not into. I'm not going to chase a check. Mm-hmm. Not gonna, it's not fair. It's not fair to all the participants and the people that put in the time. Now, you, you did mention that 3x3 is a completely different sport. I always say that with lacrosse. Boys lacrosse and girls lacrosse are completely different. They're just, I wouldn't even say that they're the same sport. But people are like kind of confused by that because it is the same sport, but it's really not. They're governed by completely different rules. For those people that don't know, how did you get into 3x3 and... 
Um, just talk about the differences aside from the number of players that are on the court. How different is it in comparison to to what we do? So, I don't know. A few years back, Sean said to me, he said, hey, Ann, I'm going to go to Colorado Springs with, with Glenn Tewitt to, you know, out there to USA Basketball, and we're going to referee three on three. And I'm like, okay, see you later. And he calls me when he's out there, and he and Glenn are at, Chicago pizza or something like that and they have me on speaker and they're so excited telling me about this three on three and I'm just listening (laughs) not really sure what to say right in the moment because I had never heard of three x three I had no idea what Sean was talking about but he was emphatic about his participation our participation in three x three and what it's going to do here in the United States and so forth so after listening to him and he comes back home, he's excited. We talk about it a little bit. Fast forward, it kind of died down. Then we got into our season. Then you fast forward about a year and Glenn Tewitt, who is like family to us and who is the only FIBA certified, I want to say clinician, if you will. They're, they have like senior levels. So he's the the only one in the United States to be able to do that. The the other is, I believe, Will Mensa. He's a, he's a licensed official, but Glenn is actually able to do to host clinics and train other referees. He also, since the uh, Olympics would have, they're now postponed, but now in 2021, he has been selected to represent the United States and referee 3x3 in the Olympics. So we are so absolutely beyond thrilled for him in his participation with that. But he really brought 3x3 to us and he watched our growth with SOCG and the way that we handled it, and the way our level of professionalism with business. And he said, hey, listen, I have some opportunities. I can't do this all by myself. I want to lean on you guys for, you know, developing 3X3 here in the United States. And to know Glenn is to love him. I don't ask him any questions. He gives, I don't want to say gives an order, but he asks me of something, and I turn around and I do whatever I can to get Mm -hmm. it done in a timely fashion. So, he says, hey, we have this contract with Red Bull. We're going to do a 22-city tour. We're going to sign the referees. We're going to sign score table personnel, and we're going to sign athletic trainers. Okay? And I'm like, uh, yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> Hung up the phone, and I'm like, Sean, what the hell is he talking about? What? What? I have no idea what I'm doing. I don't know anything about 3 3 I don't know. He's like, you know, I'm going to send you these videos. You're going to send the videos out to the referees. You're going to call each. We're going to get 10 referees in each city. We're going to get score team scorekeepers in each city I'm like how am I going to get scorekeepers in Denver how am I going to get scorekeepers in Seattle how am I going to get scorekeepers in Houston and 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 the list goes on for 22 cities so through the grace of God and the amazing referee family that we have the community across the world across the United States we were able to really reach out to all the great connections that we have and the relationships that you know Sean and I have built over the years and we're able to compile and somehow manage to get this 22 city tour off without a hitch now it appeared that way from the front right but when you you know you close the curtains and you're behind the scenes chaos total chaos I will say that it obviously led us to continue for another year which would have been 2020 but we'll pick it up in 2021 what we were able to do was create a database. So within those 22 cities, we had lots of officials that came out through across the country. Some traveled and went to multiple cities. Some, you know, refereed 3X3 for the first time, had no idea what was going on, but were gracious enough to help us out and, and come out and support. And I didn't know what to expect. We're going into the first city, which was Detroit. Sean and I actually didn't even referee. We just, we showed up to help run the event from the administrative side. And so we get there, we're doing this, well, we didn't, but Art Volk, who is also a 3X3 referee, he was able to do this on-court demo to kind of, because these officials are learning on the fly, mind you. There's nothing, there was nothing prior to this past pandemic happening that we did any sort of training for 3X3. But it was great. We did this on-court session demo, this training two hours before the event. And thankfully, it's only 10 referees, so it's not like you've got a 40-court, like AAU, where you've got 40 courts to fill, and they run from 8 a.m. to 10 p.m. So you could really spend time answering questions and being hands-on and, and walking around to these 
these four courts and explaining to people and teaching them how to referee this game. It is so very different than five on five. The first fundamental main difference is the speed because it's focused on continuous play. And watching it that day, I'm like, wow, this is fast. But not only is it fast, this is fun. Mm. It was fun to watch. It was just fun to be there. And it was really exciting. And to be on the ground level of something, not knowing at all anything about it prior to showing up in Detroit that day and assigning these people, it was really, really fun. And it wasn't until, I don't know, a little while later, a couple cities later that Sean and I actually worked. My first game, I was nervous, but I was so excited. And it was so fun. I couldn't wait until the next city. I was like, Sean, aren't we going to fly to Salt Lake? <laughs> He's like, no, we're not. And I'm like, come on, I want to do this. It was something that I really caught on to really quickly. And I just thought it was great. And, and since then, I'm hooked. I'm like, okay, when is our five-on-five season done? Because it's that break that we need to go into three-on-three. Mm. But on a more serious note, you will see plays at a very, very high clip in three-on-three. Mm. And it helps with processing the speed and cadence of your whistle. So there's some great learning aspect to this as well. So it's not just the fact that it's fun and exciting, but just being able to get better and grow within the game. There's opportunities there for that. Yeah. I might have to hit you up off air about trying to get involved in three X three. And I remember the first time that I saw it, I couldn't believe because I played hoop it up when I was a kid. So it was like, you know, take the ball back out and you you check the ball. (laughs) This was like after it made basket, the ball was still alive. And I was like, what is going on? And now it it made more sense that it was like a good Olympic sport because of that, that different cadence, that different rhythm. Now, I did want to ask you this question. Now, you're involved with SOTG. And of course, you're still active on the court as an official Mm -hmm. and also on 3X3. You know, just like with the pandemic, I know for me, it's it's really made me focus on referee rent. And, you know, sometimes I often think, like, how was I able to make all this stuff while I was refing? It just, it, right. it like, really boggles my mind. And you probably felt the same way of how much you were just really into the administrative side of SOTG. What do you think you enjoy more? Being on the court, being in the fire, or helping people out with SOTG? Man, that's tough. I know. Because I am so... I, Sean laughs at me all the time because I... I truly believe I'm self-diagnosed OCD, right? Because I, Sean says to me, even this morning, he goes, because you are, you have a PhD in everything, right? You know everything. (laughs) And so I'm a self-proclaimed, just complete OCD. And I don't know how to let go and relinquish duty. And so we have a amazing support staff of people that help us. And I am working on myself to be better to allow them to take on some of the roles because I I just truly can't do everything. It's exhausting. I also want a referee. I want to be on the floor. And I have to because I want to. So I just, I drop everything and I'm like, oh, I'm going to work, you know, at 2.30. And meanwhile, you know, it's 8.30 in the morning and I want to make sure that I get everything done because I'm ready to go at at 2.30 on this high profile game with this rival, this state and this state that are coming together to play because that's how I get better. Mm. That's how I grow as a referee. So if I'm not going to work on, on me in the off season, I'm not, my schedule is going to increase. I'm not going to do, I'm going to be the same person that ended in March that shows up again in November. And that's not who I am. That's not who I want to be. So it's very important for me to have balance in handling our business in the administrative side and trusting our support staff that everything is going to be done properly. And then being able to put on my shoes and my shirt and run out on the floor because I know that that's what I need for, for me. Right. Yeah. And, and you think about Glenn to how he's been instrumental in helping you guys. I know, you know, he took a step to you and SOTG, you have been so OCD with that, but at the same time, you're going to be a great leader when it comes to when you're, when you have the opportunity to, you know, delegate other things because you know how to do it yourself. And that's how I feel like with referee rent. It's grown so much where, you know, I feel like I need help, but at the same time, the very essence of it is I know how to run everything by myself. And I, and I completely understand that duality of it. But (laughs) after everything you said, what do you think of the attributes? What do you think it took to get to where you are at this moment in time as an official and as one of the founders of student of the game officiating? Well, I won't say blood, but definitely sweat and tears. 
there's a lot of ups and downs and highs and lows and, and great moments. And, and all the tears aren't, aren't sad tears. I mean, there's, there's lots of happy tears, too, for lots of accomplishments and things that we've done well. It's just the drive, the perseverance, the you just you can't give up. You can't stop. And you can't become complacent. You've got to continue to push. You've got to continue to move forward all the time, failing forward. You know, you fail and you get up and you fail again. You fail and you get up and you fail again. And Sean is always, you know, sometimes we'll get into it because he's like, I told you that this is how you do it. And I'm like, that's fine. You can tell me, but that's how you did it. Mm. So let me fail. Let me fail on my own Mm. and screw this up. And then I'll know that I can't do it. So, I mean, you know, it's like that my dad used to tell me a hard head makes a soft. So Mm. I just, constantly hitting my head on something until I figure it out. But I needed to make those mistakes mistakes for me. It's molded me into who I am. And I'm, I'm grateful for that. But I'm, I'm grateful for him. I mean, we have all out just arguments about stuff, about plays, about rules, about his way versus my way. And years ago, it was funny. We were driving to a game and we were talking, obviously basketball. And I said to him, and he's like, but this is how you do it and blah, blah, blah. And I said, no. I said, let's look, because he speaks in metaphors, as you know. Oh, I know. So, <laughs> Oh, yeah. So I said to him, I said, okay, let me simplify it like this. And this is real life. He uses Waze. I use Google Maps. I can't stand Waze. I sometimes will turn Waze on because, again, I'm OCD. So I need to make sure that if, I'm go- if Google Maps has me going one way and I'm getting there at 802, but if Waze is going to get me there at 759, I'm going to make that left turn and go the way that Waze says and Google Maps is going to, re, you know, figure it out. So I say, okay, you use Waze and I use Google Maps. You put in that you're going home. I put in that I'm going home. They're going to put in two destinations or two routes that are probably different, but it's going to get us to the same destination. So you continue to use Waze. I continue to use Google Maps and I'll meet you at home. <laughs> and... He didn't like it, but he's like, all right, touche, you know? Yeah. But that, that's how we live. He allows me to be me. I allow him to be him. And that's what makes us a great team. Mm-hmm. Well, listen, I use Waze, so I feel you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's it going to take to get to where you want to go? And ultimately, where do you want to go as an official and as one of the founders of SOTG? Well, for me, I always, and as I alluded to earlier, I always want to be better than I was in March. So when I come back in November, there's got to be some growth. If there's not, I'm doing something wrong. And there's never a moment where I'm going to be complacent. I have to continuously work to be better than I was. I need to, I'm only in competition with myself. I'm, I'm beating nobody else but me. I don't get on the phone. I don't call people. I don't look at schedules. I don't, I don't play that game. I am so wrapped up in my family and my home and, and what we need to do to be successful. For me, just continuing to stay focused, continuing to push, continuing to put the work in. I, of course, want to do, I want to get to the NCAA tournament. I want to always be able to make an impact. I always want to be a good partner. I always want to be the person that somebody says, hey, you know what? I want to work with her. That's what matters to me. Having high character and integrity is so, so, so important. I have made a promise to myself that I will not allow this profession to change me. Mm. I, through and through, am the same person that I was when I first started. And I will promise to be the same person when I decide to no longer do this. Mm. And as it pertains to SOCG, we are really, in my opinion, we're really just getting started. And I am so excited about the opportunities that have continued to be bestowed upon us. And I just think that Sean and I talk all the time about doing things the right way. When you live your life and you put God first and your family and your work, your passion, those are the things that matter to us. And because we do that, we we stay positive. We don't dwell in spaces that are going to hinder us or hold us back. We make mistakes. We are not perfect, but we learn from them. And to speak to probably, I don't know, a couple of years ago, we had this event. Well, it wasn't a event. We had several events. We had something going on in Dallas, something going on in Atlantic City. 
something going on in Virginia and something going on in Atlanta. Now, there's just Sean and I. We have people underneath of us, as I said. We have some a great support staff and people that we count on that are leaders. But ultimately, this is our baby. And you can't expect anybody to care about your baby as much as you do, right? I mean, you have kids. I have kids. Yep. This is how we treat our business. No different. So Sean and I, it was very difficult for us to be able to run all of these events at the same time and think that they would be done successfully. Now, of course, that was the intent, but that wasn't exactly what happened. And so meanwhile, I was at camp during this weekend. And it was in April. And we had, as I said, we had four events going on at the same time. I had an intern who, bless his heart, he was in Atlantic City, and then he took a train, and then he went down to D.C., and he's at that event. I'm asking him to do things that he was not at all prepared to do. But because of the situation with Sean being in Dallas and a couple of our other leaders being there and everything that was going on in Atlanta and me being at camp, and it was just the only option that we had at that time. We had leaned on someone to help us with assigning officials down there in D.C. And so I left camp on Saturday, drove there to help with them on Sunday. And that Sunday, there was somehow a miscommunication to where the guy didn't send his officials for Sunday. So we're at this two-court facility. Thank the Lord it was only two courts. And it's me. And I called, I called Jacob Barnett, who is uh, in the G League and a really great friend of, of Sean's. And he was not far, 20 minutes away. And I said, I need help so bad. Can you please help me? So he drove up and I'm working one man and he's working a one man until we could get these games covered. So for the first game and a half, I would say we had just him and I working one man games. Now, mind you, this is a national Adidas event with teams that have come across the country to play. It was a regional qualifier for these teams to get to the final that was going to be played in New York City at the pier. So the amount of weight that was put into this event or the, and, the, and the amount of money, honestly, was insane. It's AAU basketball, and it's the highest level of grassroots basketball. So to have a screw-up of this capacity was just immense. And so we managed to get through the day. Thank God it was only a half day. But that was by far really the most gut-wrenching, mm. uncomfortable, awful mm. moment that we had within our business. And Adidas, I remember we called our, our bosses there. And the question that he asked, we were on three-way. And he said, can you fix it? And we, Sean and I were like, yeah, we can fix it. And so he then proceeded to say, you know, it's not how many times you get down, get knocked down, but it's just, it's how you get up. And so we appreciated that so much because it gave us the life that we needed to kind of get back up and attack this thing full force and never make the same mistakes again. So hence, this is what contributes to my OCD, right? And, and me not being able to, to relinquish duties because you just, I have trust issues right. because of this, but it was, it's not glorious. There is so much work and preparation that goes in, not just from the event staffing side, but just the meetings and the corporate side of dealing with these shoe companies, right. with the amount of money and the pressure and the livelihood of these kids. I mean, dealing with the college coaches and everything that goes on. These are full-on productions weekend after weekend. And we are so blessed to share this platform and be an integral part of this. And we, again, we hold ourselves to such a high standard. Why? Because that's what they deserve. And that's what has gained us opportunities year after year to stay in this space and be relevant because we take so much pride in providing service. Mm. Yeah, I think Sean mentioned that to me, too. And I was like, man, that sounds completely rough. <laughs> I'm happy oh, that you guys were able God. to do that. And I, and I completely understand why you would want to completely take the reins, because that's like one of those just like life career ending changes that you were like, you would never want that to happen. And, you know, luckily you were able to pivot that. And that's what, it, what we do as officials. 
Having said that, what is uh, your best moment thus far as a basketball official? And what is your best moment thus far running SOTG? I have so many great moments being a referee. I think from really at every level, from refereeing starting in high school and, and refereeing at the Palestra for a Catholic League final, which a picture of that surfaced in Referee Magazine last month from seven years ago <laughs> or wow. however long ago. But refereeing the Catholic League final as, you know, a, a varsity official and then moving into college and, and being able to referee the Division Three National Championship in 2018 and then moving forward and being able to referee at the Division One level and being picked up in conferences and walking out on the floor at certain arenas, just looking around and really taking in the moment and, and being so grateful, like, wow, this is like, how did you get here? And just really soaking it up and being excited for so many of my firsts, if you will. And mm. then I would say even continuing would be postseason stuff, being able to work into March. And, and conference tournaments. Getting to do that this past year was another first for me. And again, you're preparing and you get there. And it's thankfully for, for one tournament, I was able to share that with Sean because he too was working. Right. And that was so exciting for the both of us to really be able to say, okay, this is, this is another milestone in our marriage and in our journey together in what we've accomplished and our work to get here. So that's a lot of firsts for me, a lot of firsts and a lot of memorable moments. With with SOTG, I would say that we are so grateful to be able to share this with our kids. From Obviously, we couldn't do it this year, but last year, we took our kids with us on the road. And I don't want to say just last year, but we went a lot more places last year. Typically, when they get out of school in June, we leave and we go down to Atlanta, and then we stay there until they go back to school in September. And while in Atlanta, we will then travel from there to whatever city we have an event going. And last year was special for us because we were able to not just share it with our kids, but also bring my family out and bring our friends out and create memories and have vacations and do things that we wouldn't always have been able to do. And our kids get to, you know, when they go back to school, share all the places they've been and all the things that they've done. And Sean and I tell our kids all the time, we've ne- we were never able to have this type of a childhood. And, and, you know, you always want to give your kids more than what you had. But just to be able to share those moments with them, to always have them there, to, to show them the hard work, for them to understand what it takes to do what we do. And we put them to work. We are in charge of the NCAA registration process and check-in for for Adidas, and we put the kids to work. Hey, you know what? You guys have a job. When the when the coaches come over, you've got to put their wristbands on. You know, after we tuck them in, this is your job. And they were so excited to do that. They, you know, when kids are task driven, so when you give them something to do, they are elated to know that they're a part of something. And for us, that's what our business is about. It's about being a family, being inclusive, and sharing our growth and our success with our children and with those around us that we love. Other than sharing those, you know, momentous occasions with our family, I think just every year with us being able to tackle more responsibility and more events leading up to, it's always, uh, oh my gosh, that, that anxious, nervous energy of we have to cover 48 courts and how many officials that we have, and all of the scheduling process that takes forever, but really you only have a tournament. They give you the schedule on Wednesday and your officials need to show up Friday at 6. Right. So the pressure to get that done and turned around in about 12 hours is ridiculous. But it's something that I welcome because it's a challenge to me. And I always look at it, Sean will laugh at me because I look at it like Sudoku puzzles and moving pieces around until they fit. And I mean, it's a very large puzzle, but being able to put people in places and to get this to work and kind of go off without a hitch is amazing. And we've learned a lot along the way. We've learned that, I'll give you one for example, we've learned that all of our leadership crew, Sean and myself included, we never schedule them for the first game. Why? Because somebody's always in traffic, 
God forbid somebody has an accident or is sick or this or that, we always are able to jump on the court. That's the the beauty of us all being referees Mm. so that we can kind of step in and no one knows that such and such wasn't able to be there. So we just, we've learned a lot of tricks of the trade along the way, but we're going to continue to be successful because we've learned from our failures and um, we're going to continue to to grow and, and push forward. But I think it's a lot to do with our relationships. We work with a lot of great people and we are forthright and honest and we run our business with integrity and that's what our vendors see from us and that's why they continue to trust us with their business. Yeah, and I could see it still growing completely exponentially uh, as the time goes on. And uh, I had a personal question for you, November 25th, that's when um, it's slated to start for the Division One level. Are you ready? Do you welcome it? Do you think that it's going to go off without a hitch? What are your thoughts on, on everything starting up? I wish November 25th was tomorrow. I am so beyond ready. I'm so excited. I can't wait. I am, as I have always been, very, very optimistic. I want nothing more than to have a basketball season. How can we do that? Being cautious, wearing our masks, following, you know, protocols and and being diligent, being very careful, just dotting our I's and crossing our T's, Mm. being very, very diligent with everything that we do. And I think that if we are careful and we as a community take pride, well, first of all, we have to be honest too. We have, if, if we're sick, if something's not right, that's where the onus is on us and we've got to step up. And I know it's going to hurt because this is how some of us provide for our families, but it's what's going to keep us playing basketball. It's what's going to keep us safe. And those are some of the things that I think are, are going to be very, very important in the success of the season. But I am looking forward to, and I can't wait. I know it's going to be different. I have no idea what to expect, but I just can't wait for the day that we can <laughs> Put on our stripes, yeah. put on our whistle, whatever it may be, with a mask or a whistle pouch. We've bought it all. We've got all sorts of gadgets here that we have ordered for whatever mandates and protocols they say that we need to do. We are going to take all necessary precautions. Mm. Because why? Because we want to get back to work. Mm. We are so excited. Now, safely, of course, but we just we hope and are optimistic that we we definitely go off on November 25th. Yeah, whatever it takes. And and I, I'm very certain that it will go off. I don't know if it'll end correctly, but, you know, we're going to do our best to be socially distanced and follow precautions and everything so that we do finish the season. But my final question to you, basketball has brought you to so many places. Uh, you've been able to travel. You've met a husband. You've started a family. And, of course, you have been getting your mental and physical fix through officiating. What is it? What is basketball? What does officiating mean to you? What is it given to you in your life? Hmm, it's really given me a purpose and I didn't look at it as a career. I don't look at it as work. I love my job. I love it. And it is so fun. And, and when the pandemic hit, I realized how much I missed it. And to be able to find ways of giving back and share our love for the game with other people, that's really what's important. It's given me friendships. It's given me hard times. It's given me good times, but it's none that I would trade for the world. In the beginning, I was really apprehensive because, you know, having children and I am so involved and so is Sean in, in our kids' lives. Sean and I talked about, okay, well, what are you going to do when, when you can't get up in the morning and wake the kids up and you, you can't make their lunch and you can't put them on the bus or, you know, you're not there to, to kiss them goodnight or you're not there to do when they were younger to do baths and stories and all that kind of stuff. That was hard for me. Mm. That was, that was really difficult. And what I noticed is that it was harder on me than it was for my kids. What's interesting is that our kids don't see what they know is our life, right? So for them, they think this is normal until they go to their friend's house and then their parents work nine to five and then they realize, oh, okay, so maybe maybe we are a little different <laughs> right. because my, my, my parents are tagging in the night and one comes home and the other one goes, you know, to catch a flight. But they are understanding and they're appreciative and thank God for FaceTime. I mean, it really saved, it saved my mental state and, and my emotional health for sure. And, but again, it's been able to give our kids an appreciation for, for what we do and how we do it. And for the love of basketball, they know that we always joke, you know, basketball is our life. 
and we so much enjoy it and wouldn't give back any moment. Well said. Well said. And listen, look forward to working on you on the profit. Whenever I get to the division one level, I know you'll be waiting for me, giving me some critiques. And of course, you know, we should talk off air about how we can uh, kind of proliferate our continued mission in trying to help officials get to the next level. But I thank you. I'm happy that I was patient enough for you to finally get on because I think your story is just like everybody else worthwhile to tell because it's a unique one. And it was something that everyone at least should hear, especially those that are on the SOTG side of you know, one of the people in the background always, always doing the, the good work for everybody. But I thank you. Any final words you want to say before we part ways? Well, I want to thank you, Ralph. Again, it's been a while. I know we've, we've talked about kind of doing this, but I'm glad that I did. And I'm thankful for you to take time and even consider having me on. It, it really was painless and it was fun. See, so I, I, <laughs> I sincerely thank you. It, it was great. It was just a conversation. Yeah. And I left some more meat on the bone so we could have a part two. But like I said, of thank course. you for Ashley Good, SOTG. This is Ralph the Ref. This is The Rant. We are signing out. Peace.